Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. My name is Matt. Thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully everything is going well for everyone. No complaints here. And I'm recording this in, I guess you could say the ending of a February since February is a short month. So hopefully I'll be releasing this on or around March. So if I do, happy March. If I don't, happy April. And if I just keep on to this, well, happy whenever you hear this, but Everything's pretty good. No lies. Uh, weather's been great. Aside from the weather, pandemic, COVID, there's a whole Russia thing. Well, it's not a thing. It could be, it could be on the brink of a war, but I'd rather not get into that because seeing all the shit that's happened with the Bush years from 9-11 and in other words, him holding the receipts from what happened with his dad reinvading Iraq. It's, I'm not somebody who supports war fully. You know what I mean? That's what's on the bill right now. It feels like there's this push of the government wanting it's us, the people, to back this war. So what they're saying is if you know Russia quote unquote invades the Ukraine because the Ukraine wants to get backed by NATO, which the US is tied to NATO, and that means more US military bases close to the Russian border. So that happens. They're talking about well, they already started doing like sanctions. In other words, holding their money, holding some natural resources, some imports, some exports, higher taxes, uh, similar to what Trump was doing with, with China. And then if it gets worse, then it's conflict. Now, the other thing that sucks about wars with either Russia, China, or North Korea, for that matter, is you don't know what they're going to use in terms of nuclear power. And if it's an all-out war, we just never know what's going to happen. But it feels like the government's pushing us to back them up. But at the same time, it feels like, I wouldn't say nobody gives a shit, but it feels like everyone got too, too many problems on their mind. From gas in LA almost being seven bucks, food going up, things that used to cost, what, go to the market, spend a good 30, 40 bucks, maybe for a meal or two, you're looking at 60 bucks, maybe 70 with a couple of snacks. Yes, people still getting their footing from the past couple of years. So not to mention housing, house prices are ridiculous. Rents going up across the nation. And while everything else is going up, our pays pretty much at a flat line. And nothing's really, nothing's really changing. So with all that, I'm going to throw this other thing on top of it. You know, now that COVID's starting to quote unquote disappear, now let's bring on the war again. It's kind of like copy and paste recipe for what the government should do in case it's in trouble. Total bullshit. We've seen it through the Bush years. I'm surprised nothing happened in the Trump years. So this is going on with Biden right now. It's a shitty situation, but I see what can we do? Just you and me right here sitting down talking. What what could we really do on a global scale? All the best thing we could do is educate ourselves and kind of make sure we have the basics, you know, water, maybe a couple food, but what can we do? Right. With all this shit going on, I do try to maintain a kind of leveled household with the kids, my wife, myself, just to kind of keep us going on the same forward path. But with that being said, this episode is going to be called Overcoming Past Trauma for a Better Future. 
And trauma, from what I could say, is something that we've all experienced. If you haven't experienced trauma, I don't know if I believe you, if you're trying to look cool or what, but at one point in our lives, we've all experienced it. It's just trauma come in different forms. It's not so much as you would think of a catastrophic major incident, like, you know, your parents dying in a car crash or an airplane or, you know, something else. That's, that's big. But trauma can also range from being in an accident, seeing someone get shot, being abused as a kid, either, you know, physically or sexually. And the list really could go on and on. I've talked about accepting it to help move along and become a stronger person. But is accepting and overcoming the same thing? Accepting is acknowledging something has happened to you and you live with it and you live with the results. And overcoming is getting this trauma and breaking it down and working to better your feelings and mental health towards this. I think I drew myself a thin line when it came to me and mine and how I dealt with it. I was looking up different ways to find strength to pull myself out of some some of the traumatic events that I've been through, but they still lingered hard in my memory. I can't do nothing about the past, but the past has a good way of sneaking up and pinching you one small nerve once in a while. I mean, we all have those little triggers, kind of similar to like somebody recovering from being alcohol or a junkie. It's those little triggers that could just set us off and then throw us in a downward spiral. How and when we deal with the event can affect how we cope afterwards. Getting back to something as close as normal may take time and some seek professional help. And I took this way. Talking about talking about it and leaving it out for the world to hear. It makes me feel like I get my my feelings down, my angers, frustration. Sometimes it may not seem like the anger, frustration, but I get them down. I talked here to you guys and that's it. I just I leave it out there. So for somebody to hear this, somebody new to the podcast or checking this out, I'm I'm just leaving it out there. So if chances are if you talk to me about a certain episode, I've already forgotten about it because it's kind of I've talked, I've dealt with it, I've expressed myself, and I'm looking at other things. So sometimes I gotta get I gotta get a little refreshment, but you know, I leave it out there and it feels good. It feels like this part of me is being worked down, worked up, and threw it out there and just look at dandelion in the wind. A little petals just dissipate. And like I said before, what I want for people to hear this and find some lesson in life that may not have even heard before. And to kind of say like, you know what? I'm not alone in the feelings that I'm feeling. I can talk about it and the world is shifting when it comes to accepting mental health, which is good compared to like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Ugh. 1999 is like 20, 21 years, 22 years. It just sounds bad saying it out loud. 1989 seems like it's like five years ago. Pretty sure everybody else, somebody else has that same feeling, but 20 years, 20 plus years, wow, it's brutal. Like 20 years ago, it wasn't so really much accepting. I mean, like I said, the country had a different mindset during that time. We were fixated on war and lasting is, you know, mental health popping up. But to be honest, it's a new accepting time, which is good. More outreach, more social acceptance on the rise. Most notably recently, the multi-gold Olympian, Simone Biles, really shined the light in mental health and how it translates from a sports perspective. And of course, with positive reinforcement, the negative attacks happen. It reminds me a bit when I quit football. No way in shape or form I'm comparing, but when you're in a sport, there is a constant force of people telling you, you have to do better no matter what. When you get met with injuries, a lot of it is met with, you know, shake it off. You're not passed out, throwing up. Chances are you might be good. 
but chances are there might be something deep down inside that may have gotten injured. And before, when there was a concussion, there was just, you know, go sit down. I've experienced this. So long as you could see, right, it's like, you know, go sit down for 10 minutes. Hey, worst case, maybe you take the rest of the day off. But but honestly, if you felt the opposite of that, if you felt like, you know, you needed help, you, know, you were looked at as weak or soft. But it's quite the opposite. So when I entered football, the only reason why I was there is to escape, you know, my home after my grandma died. Michael was just there all day, depressed, and looking at him, hearing the way he talks, it depressed me. You know, I wasn't going to let myself get pulled down constantly on a day-to-day basis from him and his feelings. I mean, it, he was dealing with his own stuff. You know, when you have a, a quote-unquote child to look after, there is a kind of separation you have to do. Now that was a time for building, you know, but it didn't happen. And, you know, like I said, I know he lost his mom, but as a kid, I was there to watch and I just had no help. Not even a how, how are you? How are you feeling? Anything like that. So I did football. I did it to stay away and honestly just let out some emotions. Being angry, frustrated, hating something, lifting something, or just running. All those emotions would, you know, go away for that time being. I would say anger, but there were days walking home where I just cried. I was angry. I just lost my grandma. I felt so empty and nothing was filling, nothing was really filling that void. And that was a feeling for a while. I had my home life and I had my football slash friend life. Then, then my uncle started saying how he was so proud. Nothing wrong, right? First off, let me just say that's fine. All in a normal situation. But let me remind you, I couldn't stand him whatsoever. Then he talked to me and then I wanted to light him up. It was kind of that bad towards the end. I mean, I just did. And everything in his voice, everything he's done prior to that, it just angered me. So he kept doing this and doing it over and over again and constantly reminded me of my grandma. And like I said, I was trying to escape. So I've had it. Something that I was doing now, was something I was doing to escape was now mixed. It was mixed with my sadness that I was trying to run away from. I had no outreach to talk about my emotions or dealing with death. And to be honest, this was the only outreach that I had at the time. I started losing the love that I had for it. So I had to quit. I told the coach I couldn't do it no more and for a personal reason. And then when I told my uncle, he cried. To be honest, that made me feel good a little bit. It was kind of like, uh, I mean, not to sound dickish, but when he would use me to link up with his high school past glory days and, you know, in my day, uh, high school days, it was, it was bittersweet. And I had a feeling too that when I, let's say I did go forward a little bit in, in football, I was just going to be part of his vanity and part of to show, show off to his friend what he had. I could already see the signs, to be honest. And any info after that was like a quote from The Departed. Monko was like mushrooms. Feed it shit and keep it in the dark. Yeah, brutal, but that's how I felt back in those days. That's how angry I was. I mean, partly why I did it because I couldn't trust him. We had, when I had an issue... Simple question with him in a matter of hours, if not minutes, it was not only between me and him. My whole set of aunts were calling me, talking to me. I was like, dude, you can't keep your mouth fucking shut. Of course, I couldn't say fucking because I would get a backhand with his big ass hand and just multiple rings here. Where so I was just looking at him like, dude, you can't keep your mouth shut. Like, why are you? Why is the whole world no? And doing this over the years just pushed me away. My old friends. On the team, we're calling me a quitter and other things, 
but it just showed that our friendship was fake as a facade as some still try to live up to this day with that crying frat boy mentality. And of course, I couldn't say the real issue because it was just unheard of. It was unacceptable. It was, you know, you're a quote unquote bitch, like you're making excuses. So when Simone Biles, you know, took the time for herself not to compete for mental issues, people freaked. They got pissed. They talked so much of this negative light. But the truth is, our mind is our greatest opponent. And we need to acknowledge and accept when it's time to take a step back. At this point in life, I couldn't deal with what had happened with my grandma in a way. I accepted because I knew she was sick. And some point what made me sad was when she was alive. She was so tired. She would say she would wish she would die. And you got to think a quick rundown with my grandma's illnesses. She had diabetes. She had kidney failure. She had a stroke. She was paralyzed from one side. Bone deterioration. She was getting this kind of bacteria on her foot to the point where maybe like another year or so, they would have amputated her feet. You know, it goes along with diabetes. You don't take care of yourself, things like that. So she was, she was tired. So she would say that it'll break our heart. But, you know, now as an adult, thinking back about somebody in a sense suffering that much, it's understandable. And as an adult, I admit it and I, I get it. And, you know, the very last year or so, on top of everything, she really couldn't sleep through the night. So when she passed, I knew she was at the better place. She was with her mom and I accepted it, but I couldn't overcome with all the aftermath that followed. From the feeling of pain in my heart, it was a change in how I seen the world. My family was slowly breaking apart and I was wondering if I was right to be on this earth. I tried to overcome it that year that followed, but I was wrong. It was just too much. I chose the wrong path, but now as an adult, it's still hard. I mean, I chose a couple of weird paths in dealing with this, but now as an adult, I mean, it's still hard for her. It's still hard for me on her birthday. And of course, Thanksgiving. For me, for a while, all this for me was a big fuck off because I couldn't, I couldn't, I still haven't overcome that pain. That I still haven't dealt, dealt with it, but it's changed a lot in the past two years. What's changed? Well, my kids, they helped me see the positive light and what those days truly mean when I was, you know, dwelling from the past in my sorrow. Now I have fun to see them, see them have fun. And when I think about my grandma in those times, I feel happy feeling finally. I know she's looking down on me happy, finally seeing me enjoy life, but time passes for me. And sure, there's still times where I cry and miss her. And I think, you know, that that's only human nature. But some things that I would see or do, I have flipped and I flipped the switch on them. And now I've overcome those to feel good about it. Now the real test is to figure out with the thousand other things that was wrong with me. And, you know, I'll be in business. And I guess I was waiting for something worthwhile to help me overcome this. I'm ashamed that it's taken me so long. The past couple of years with my kids really changed things. And I say the past couple of years because the first, you know, Two, three years of the kids, you know, life, they, they didn't care, especially Max. Max didn't care. You're talking about Santa presents. He's like, yeah, whatever. But now, now they get the whole thing of, you know, the presents, waking up, opening them, going to grandma's, opening them, seeing family. Now it's exciting. But it took so long to kind of have something spark in me to see, you know, 
it's time. So many years, even when it was just me and my wife, she knew the holidays were rough for me and she didn't press me for anything. She would just leave me alone and she knew. I knew it was rough and most of the time he did see me on those days if I wasn't working. I would just try to be quiet and half the time my smile was you know, for your benefit, not mine. It was for yours because I, I just wasn't feeling it. I still remember the first, I still remember when she passed. It was right after Thanksgiving. It's supposed to be a good time. Once Thanksgiving comes, you get to the road ahead, which is Christmas and New Year's, which is the ending of the year, good meanings, everything like that, right? So when she had passed, it was quite the opposite. It just reminded me of the big, big piece of my heart that was gone. And it remained that from the end of my teenage years and even to when I was an adult. I really didn't want to be around anybody. I just wanted to be by myself. But, you know, when you're dealing with social aspects, you have a girlfriend, you got to make face with, you know, people and events like this. So you got to put your your feelings aside and just, you know, just go through it. So seeing with my kids, how I helped overcome it was the raw emotion, the feeling sorry, not feeling sorry. But the feeling sad, depressed, angry, that void that I had, the kids showed me that all that time feeling sad, I still could have been happy. It was just a matter of what I was looking for to feel happy. And also, it was just the things that were around me, being thankful for what I had, for the family, the wife, everything that I had around me. But when you get so caught up in your emotions, you're not thinking about that. And the kids kind of tore open a little part of the tarp where I could see. And that little circle, it started growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Obviously for a good, started ripping open more and more and more for lack of better phrases. And once that happened, I got to see the light. I got to see, you know, if my grandma could tell me anything during all this time, it was not to be sad, to be grateful, to be happy, to enjoy my life. And I spent a good 10 years not enjoying it, feeling down, putting up a a wall, putting up, wearing a mask that, you know, you may think you may see something on the outside, but in the inside, it's not really that. So she wouldn't want me to feel that way. And I get it now. And once you find that little spark to change your your ways, to change your ideas, change your beliefs, change your emotions, it's healing. It's healing. And that's a feeling that I never want to let go. And, you know, when you learn to overcome some of these obstacles, the feelings, the steps that you've taken cannot be dealt with other things too. So this is just one of the small, I want to say small, it's one of the things that I've overcome. And trust me, there's tons, tons more, but just one of the things that it was weighing for me, you know, in a yearly basis, because let's face it, you know, when somebody passes away, it, it's rough. But each year that goes by, it does get better and better to the point where, you know, I'm still, I still feel sad a little bit, but it's a different, it's a different sadness. It's more of an acceptance of the sadness, and I've overcome the sadness to the point where I'm not going to let it destroy my life. I'm not going to let it get to me, change my day-to-day, change my feelings, my emotions. I can't do that now. So the more story is, reach out to the young ones when it comes to traumatic events and see how they are. If they need anything, if they're okay, because trust me, it goes a long way. Sometimes what we need when we are very young is just to let you know that you're not alone, You're not alone in what you're feeling and you have somebody that you can reach out to. Sometimes that's all we need to the road to feel better. Hopefully if you're in this situation, if you know somebody or, you know, you're young one and you just been gone through something, reach out to them because in the process of reaching out to them, you could start to 
build that process for yourself too. I mean, try it. If not, then let's talk. So thanks again for listening for another week and until next time.